Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. This is Good Morning Liberty. Well, what is going on, all of our Liberty-loving friends? Welcome back to another fantastic episode of Good Morning Liberty. I'm one of the hosts here, Charles Chuck Thompson. With me, as always, the one who knows just about everything there is to know, Mr. Nathaniel Paul. How you doing? What's up, man? I thought you were going to say my my last name. No, nah, I just stuck okay. with Nathaniel okay. Paul this time. That's cool. That's yeah. cool. Uh, winner, I will say winner so far. Mm-hmm. All the results aren't in yet. We still got to tally up the correct votes. I got another but shipment of ballots coming in pretty the soon. The potential winner of our debate over the weekend mm-hmm. with the Libertarian Party State Convention, Tennessee State Libertarian Party Convention. Um, Nate is the, you know, quasi winner, you could say. And I'll give it to him at this. He did okay. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. yeah. And, uh, probably bribed the audience, but, you know, that's neither here nor there. I won debating a topic, um, against what my original position was when I started thinking about the topic. I will say I moved myself a little bit closer <laughs> to that idea, but I debated uh, points that I don't entirely agree with, which I think was interesting. We basically steel manned, had a steel man debate, and I won as mm. the steel man. <laughs> so, so that's pretty cool, I guess. Yeah. Pretty, pretty good steel manning. Yeah. If you want to hear an extremely rough version of that debate, uh, because I opened up the laptop and just recorded it while we were there. Uh, you can go. It's on the podcast feed. You want to listen to it. If you want to hear a really rough, I, I even recorded, I didn't show you, I recorded an intro to tell people what was going on just with my AirPods and my phone. I, didn't, I thought AirPods sounded better than that, but um, they sound pretty bad. It's not good. Yeah, but mm-hmm. I was up in Illinois because we had a death in the family, and so I was up there hanging out with my mom. I didn't have one. No, Charlie like did. we as in Nate's family. Almost everyone in Charlie's <laughs> family has died already. They, they've already, yeah. Yeah. And I, so I was up there. I've already gotten that out of the way. Mm-hmm. Half my grandma's died last week. Half so, the remaining. Uh, that's, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, still got, you know, still got one more. Still got the other half. <laughs> still got the other. So um, that's why I was gone the last couple of days. We missed a busy couple of days because this bank run thing started on Thursday of last week. And then Friday got really bad. And that's what everyone's talking about today, basically anything you listen to, because we kind of had a bailout happen, although not like the 2008 bailout quite as much. But we essentially had a bailout again of the banking system almost entirely of a whole. We just had an entire a massive breakdown of all the incentive structure inside of the banking world. Again, as if that were still possible yeah. to break it down even further. Well, they've been able to spin it. I will say not like 2008, but they've been able to spin it. They've had time to come up with how to spin it mm-hmm. to make it seem like it's not going to be on you. Well, it's not going to affect taxpayers. Yeah. Which I, 
you know, Charlie and I were talking about this earlier. There is not a way that the federal government can do something without it affecting taxpayers because they only have money that they take from other people. That's it. And, uh, and so even in Elizabeth Warren's column that she wrote that we'll go through a little bit here uh, for the New York Times, she said that people were saying this wasn't going to affect taxpayers. And she essentially said, we'll see if that's true. Even she was alluding to the fact that, sure, you're going to charge more fees to the banks to cover this. Where do the banks get their money? Who do they charge their fees to? You can't, you can't do it without affecting the customers, which are taxpayers. And what is the insurance company backed by? Yeah, um, still. <laughs> the insurance company that, well, I don't know if we're going to get into this, but. We'll get into whatever you want, man. Well, I'm just saying, so the insurance company that the banks pay the fees to, which by the way, you pay those fees because the bank's not just going to pay them. No. They don't have any money unless you give them money. Like corporations paying then, taxes. Exactly. And then that is backed by $25 billion from the U.S. Treasury. So still, if you work your way down, it ends up at you. It's, this is you, by the way. Regardless. And it might not be a lot of money in the grand scheme of things because we're so in debt and the deficit is so big and we spend so much money on so many things. So like everything, they can say, well, you know, it's not going to affect very much, but you can keep saying that with every single thing. Like I got a credit card that's got a ton of money on it. I'm like, well, I can get this thing. It's like 50 bucks. Who cares about that? Well, it's not going to add like 50 cents to my payment. And then, and then I'll go get another thing. Like, well, it's not going to matter. It's like 50 bucks. What's that going to add? 50 cents to my payment? And I just keep saying that over and over again, which is essentially what we do. And it turns into a payment you can't afford anymore. They all pile up. That's what I'm saying. Mm. So Silicon Valley Bank collapsed. And uh, I'm, I wanted to start off with the article saying that this threatens climate startups. Oh. I'm going I'm to start with the conspiracy theory, kind of. Now, it was decided that this bank was too big to fail. The uh, 16th largest bank in the U.S. Now, it was... So, we have, is it like the top 20 list? As long as you're in the top know. 20, you're too I, big to fail? I don't know what the rule is. <laughs> okay. Um, they technically are... They are at $212 billion, I think, was their assets. The big bank typically starts at $250 billion, so they were outside of that. Of course, that's Trump's fault, and we'll talk about their, that <laughs> here in a little bit, as all things are Trump's fault. Um, so we'll talk about that part. But who's too big to fail? Uh, apparently everyone, all of the banks, except for like your local small-town bank. Like We go back home, and there's like... Uh, one of Bantera or something, whatever, you know. Old Bantera. First, First County Bank of Vienna yeah. or something mm-hmm. like that. They're not too big to fail. Like if something happens there and they have a run, everyone there is screwed. But if, if you're number 16, then it's too big, okay? And if you're like the climate bank, which is what some people called them. I'm not saying this is why they immediately got this bailout. I'm not saying this is why so many of the companies that were there were immediately in line to get all of their money and not lose anything, thanks to the Fed and the Treasury. But it could have something to do with it. Yeah, the truth is we don't actually know exactly why, but we can speculate on a couple of items that could make sense. We could ask some questions, perhaps, Mm -hmm. like we couldn't do with COVID. Well, they're scared. Here's the idea. They're scared that a bunch that it's going to cause a massive bank run. And it is true 
that is different in 2023 than it was in 2008. We're so much, there's so much more social media now. News travels so much faster, especially that dreaded disinformation or misinformation, mm. whichever one. Uh, that travels so much faster that you could cause a problem way easier than you used to be able to, right? And so we don't know exactly what would have happened today if they wouldn't have done this last night. It could have been pretty bad. The market ended up being up a little bit today, right? Or at least the uh, NASDAQ was. I saw Slightly. that. I don't know what the rest of it was. Um, so anyway, as the fallout of the collapse of Silicon Valley Bank continued to spread over the weekend, it became clear some of the worst casualties were companies. I even saw someone say that the, that the planet was in jeopardy. That's how systemic this problem was. That the Earth itself is threatened by the failure of Silicon Valley Bank. Mm -hmm. Okay? So we have to save it. You got to save it. The bank, the largest to fail since 2008, worked with more than 1,550 technology firms that are creating solar, hydrogen, and battery storage projects. According to its website, the bank issued them billions in loans. Now, I'm not starting off by insinuating that this is why they weren't making money. Okay, in fact, that can be pretty lucrative considering the fact that the government takes so much tax money and puts it into all that stuff. Could be one of the reasons that there were so many people there who didn't care about risk, considering the fact that they were just taking a bunch of stolen money. You know? They were, yeah, they had Uncle Sam's pocket. Well, Silicon Valley Bank was in many ways a climate bank, said Kieran, last name. Jaru. That's pretty good. That's, that's fine. The chief executive of Arcadia, the largest community solar manager in the country, when you have the majority of the market banking through one institution, there's going to be a lot of collateral damage. Community solar projects appear to be especially hard hit. Silicon Valley Bank said that it led or participated in 62% of the financing deals for community solar projects, which are small-scale solar projects that often serve lower-income residential areas. And... I, I'm just speculating that this had something to do with why it was so easy to come in and backstop all of these businesses that were that were banking there. You, Especially with this administration. Would you feel bad if, um, I mean, would you kind of feel bad for people, right? If they, they lose their money? Yeah, of You know, course. you got your money in a bank. Hmm? You didn't Show do what you drink. You weren't even like being super risky with your money. You, don't, you didn't lose it as a bunch of investors. It's just the bank where you have your money. So shouldn't the government come in and and guarantee that you're not going to lose that money in the bank? No. Why do you uh, hate people so much on the planet? I don't. Probably. I, I feel like you could take out an insurance policy on that. Be like, hey, an insurance policy. Hey, if I you know keep my money in this bank, will you guarantee me that I can take it out if necessary? You know, have a contract. So there. There is something like that, you know, called the FDIC. Everyone's seen the FDIC before. And it insures. This is an insurance plan that we, most people, we've got on our bank accounts. Up to 250000 Up to two, 250K. Now, what kinds of insurance do you normally, let's say you got a plan and it says we will pay up to this much for your thing. And then when the thing happens, they're like, we'll give you anything. Doesn't matter. <laughs> You know, uh, Roku, how you have a $250,000 insurance policy with us for your account? Well, you, I know that you've got that, but we noticed that you've got $457 million in a single account at Silicon Valley. 
and we're just going to give you all of it. No problem. That is how insurance works. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. Imagine you have insurance on your house, you know? It's mm -hmm. like, we will pay you $100,000, you know, if something happens to your house. But then you want to rebuild, you know, a $12 million mansion where your house used to be after the house fire. And the insurance is like, well, we only said we would give you a hundred thousand, but pff, yeah, we'll give you this $12 million mansion. Who cares? No big deal. So yeah. just when you get a mansion, by the way, all these, all you people who have mansions out there, they're listening. Okay. And, and there's a lot of you, you know, big listeners of the show. We appreciate it. Just get like a hundred thousand dollar insurance policy. Yes. I bet when something happens, they'll just give you all the money you want. Because that's how insurance works. Yeah. That, right? We know now yeah. that's how insurance works. Now, here's the problem. That's how government insurance works. Okay? That's that's how that works. Because the government sucks at everything mm -hmm. they do. Now, we'll, we'll play a little clip here from Biden. He says this is how capitalism works. And what he means by that is the people who run the bank, they're not getting bailed out like, say, 2008 levels. You know, the guy who was the CFO of Lehman Brothers. And, and who was now the CEO of Silicon Valley Bank. Or was. He's not, he was like, wait, I, it was my expectation that I was going to get all my money back. What are you guys talking about? This, he kind of got done a dirty deal here, to tell you the truth. Ah, he sold enough <laughs> stock a while ago. Yeah, he did sell a bunch of stock. That's true. I saw he sold uh, like 11% of his ownership uh, before this whole thing went down. So uh, anyway, we'll play what Biden had to say about this whole thing, about how taxpayers, well, you're not going to have to worry about this whole thing. Mm -mm. It's just the government that's going to take the hit on, on your behalf. That's not going to affect taxpayers. Pay their bills and stay open for business. No losses, will, and I'm, this is an important point, no losses will be borne by the taxpayers. Let me repeat that. No losses will be borne by the taxpayers. Instead, the money will come from the fees that banks pay into the deposit insurance fund. Because of the actions of that, because of the actions that our regulators have already taken, every American should feel confident that their deposits will be there if and when they need them. Second. Okay. Now, have you ever known a government official to just lie straight to your face? No. They always tell the truth, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Well, uh, has this been fact checked? Well, it, it would probably be fact checked true because it is true there. This money will come uh, from except for that 25 billion that the Fed's going to make available for loans. And we'll talk about that here in a bit. Um, but that won't affect taxpayers either. I bet nothing the Fed does affects. You see, if you don't directly take it out of tax money or you don't even directly levy a new tax on people, then they can just say it's not going to, just like they say, we're not going to raise taxes on people making over $400,000 yep. a year. As if no one making under 400000 had their oh, prices increase on everything. I know what it is. This bank failure is transitory. It, it is transitory. It's just transitory. Mm -hmm. It's not going to have a, an effect on your life. Well, it wasn't going to be, but all. now the Fed jumped in. It's going to mm -hmm. be transitory. Yes. So don't worry about it. Problem no concern. Yeah, I, I wouldn't worry about it. Straight uh, from the president's mouth. And how do you not believe everything this guy says? Okay, on Friday, he says the FDIC, government regulator in charge, took control of Silicon Valley Bank's assets over the weekend. It did the same with Signature Bank. Here's what comes next. 
Everyone who had deposits at those banks can access their money today. That includes small businesses that need to pay their employees and stay open. No losses will be borne by the taxpayer. We'll pay, f- we'll pay for it from the fees that banks pay into the deposit insurance fund. Now, <clears throat> depending on how this goes, they could totally wipe out the deposit insurance fund just from Silicon Valley Bank. Now, that deposit insurance fund is an insurance fund that is supposed to insure about $10 trillion in deposits out there. There's barely enough, if not enough, to cover just Silicon Valley Bank, and they could use the entire thing. Okay, so if another thing happens, then that's going to be really bad. It's going to be out of the insurance money. (laughs) And then who's going to cover it after that? Well, taxpayers. They'll actually have to do a a bailout like 2008 style to to do this if if anything else happens and they still might have to we'll we'll get into that here in a bit uh the management of both of these banks will be fired if the bank is taken over by the fdic the people running that bank shouldn't work there anymore investors in the banks will not be protected they knowingly took a risk and when risks don't pay off investors lose their money that's how capitalism works it, it's in Capitalism 101, I think, when the government takes over a bank, mm-hmm. a private institution. That's Capitalism 101. That's the first step. Yeah. Now, Free he, market equals government takeover of private institutions. It's kind of weird with them coming in, you know, FDIC taking over this bank. This is like the climate bank where all the climate money's going over 1500 climate change related companies. Isn't that weird being run out of this thing? I, I'm not saying there's any, that has anything to do with anything. All right. He says, we must get a full accounting of what happened and why and why. So those responsible can be held accountable. We must get an accounting so people can be held accountable in my administration. No one is above the law. Not even, well, is he above the law with his documents? <laughs> Who knows anymore, man? The law is whatever you want it to be. <laughs> this, it's so, it's getting harder and harder to talk about anything without just myself personally spiraling out of control every day because, you know, say you're just dealing with someone who's just lies on top of lies on top of lies and they've, they're in like this complete false reality. And you're somehow having to like argue with them, but you're arguing from the basis of the, the nothing they're saying is real at all. It gets so confusing mm-hmm. just being gaslit yeah. constantly by people. I don't, you know? we're not, in, not only are we not on the same page, we're not even in the same book. No, he's on a different planet. We must reduce the risk of this happening again during the Obama Biden administration. We place tough requirements on the banks to make sure... That bailed out the banks, by the way. <laughs> we make sure the crisis we saw in 2008 wouldn't happen again. He left that part out. Yeah. Like, Unfortunately, my predecessor rolled some of those back. Immediately, let's yeah. place blame. And he's had no time. Since those things were so important, systemically important, he's had no time. I mean, every day he's been out there trying to put those regulations back on the banks, I bet. But he's had no power and no time since he got in office at all. Mm. I will ask Congress and banking regulators to strengthen the rules for banks to make it less likely that this kind of bank failure happens again. We must protect American jobs and small businesses. Nice job. That's great. 
That's great, everyone. Um, what do you think, Charlie? What's going on? Uh, yeah, I, here's what I, well, here's what I think is that this is the beginning of what we knew was going to happen anyway. So we've been talking about this for a while, right? Eventually the rooster comes home for the chickens, you know, happens every time. Yeah. When the sun rises, the rooster calls and that's, what's going to happen. So all of this fake money, essentially, that was, uh, you know, helicoptered into the economy has got to go somewhere and it has to be burned up because it's not real. Um, and which means all the, which means the stock market and those prices aren't real. The prices that we're seeing causes major inflation. So the fed has to step in and say, okay, well now we, you know, we got to get interest rates back down. Well, that's going to invert bond yields, which is what's happened. Mm -hmm. And then these types of investments, which basically this bank had every single one of their investments in essentially inverted bond yields that were worth, that were worth no money. A really large portion of them. Yeah. Yes. And so that causes a run on the bank. And this to me is just the beginning of what we know is going to happen, which means we are going to have to go through a painful recession. And, and I really think that this may be the first, I don't know, newsworthy inkling of it actually happening. I don't know. So I think, <clears throat> I, I mean, I'm not saying they couldn't kick the can down the road because they absolutely could. They could, you know, pretend and do a good enough job of lying to people mm -hmm. to keep people from not getting scared, taking their money out of the banks. That's possible. Um, but I also think other things are going to happen because that it's just not sustainable. It's not sustainable. It's impossible. It's impossible. It's technically impossible. I, I, I think they can kick the can down the road. Um, what I was going to say is, is uh, you said that we were going to have to feel some pain eventually. We're going to have to go through a painful recession, right? I don't know if we have a government set up anymore that will allow for people to go through that kind of pain. I think we'll, we'll just see more bailouts, stuff like that. We'll just see more, uh, we'll, we'll just see more helicopter checks going Until out there. Until when? Everyone. Until when? I don't know. Until the whole thing breaks, which is really bad. Yeah. But I don't, I don't think we're at that point yet. Uh, but I'll, I'll be honest with you. I think that this should have been allowed to completely fail. I think all of the depositors should have lost their money. And that sucks. Uh, you know, uh, Mitt Romney was out there saying the people shouldn't lose their money. Mark Cuban's out there saying the people shouldn't lose their money. Uh, tons of people are out there. You know what? You got to learn where you're putting your money, it was, it was obvious well beforehand that this was going to happen with this bank. A couple months ago, people were saying this is going to happen with this bank. Uh, they were not paying attention at all, apparently, to anything the Federal Reserve was doing, because they have been very, they have been very clear about the fact that they were going to raise up the rates and keep them high for a long time. Like they'd been saying that, and this bank had, what's the percentage? Uh, let's see, 120 billion in investment securities and only 74 billion dollars worth of loans. Now, what happened with their investment securities? So you can say treasury bonds and mortgage-backed securities. Um, I guess I can go through a little bit of what we were talking about earlier on the yeah on the phone today. So what happens is, let's say last year they buy, the year before that, say 2021 they buy bonds, 
They buy 10-year bonds. And they buy them at a, a 1%, 1.5% interest, something like that. Well, you would think that you're not just going to lose money on that. Well, bonds, the rates have been going up on them. Well, you're fixed in at the rate that you've got on your bond, which is fine if you're going to hold it until the maturity date. It's fine. You can hold this thing to maturity. You're going to get paid out the full amount for the bond. If you can hold it. If you can hold it. The problem is if you've got a massive portion of your bank that is in these bonds uh, and you don't have enough money in liquid assets to pay out people if a lot of people do, want to withdraw their money, then you got to start selling those bonds. You can't sell the bonds for what you paid for them because rates have gone up so high. So if the rate is for if the 10-year was 3.5 today. So if you need to sell your bond to someone, we'll finish this up real quick. If you need to sell your bond to someone, that means someone's got to buy it from you. Why would they buy your bond that's got a 1.5% return versus going on the market and buying a bond that's got a 3.5% return? They'd rather go buy the 3.5. So what do you have to do to get them to buy yours? Sell at a loss. You've got to sell at a loss. You have to lower the price of your bond to the point where it is more attractive than the bond that's got the 3.5%. So they can buy it at a discount. And so that's why they end up taking a discount on this massive amount of bonds that they have. Now, that's okay that the rates went up as long as you don't have to sell all of them really quickly but they needed to sell all of them really quickly, which means they're taking massive hits on the bonds. Why is that? That's they, because, or they thought they could raise money at the same time. <laughs> yeah, they tried to raise money to, mm -hmm. to, uh, to do this. And so that's not going to work. Now, why did the rates go up so high? The rates went up really high because the Federal Reserve raised the rates. And why did they raise the rates? They raised it because we've had a massive amount of inflation. Why did we have a massive amount of inflation? Because of all the money that we spent during the COVID pandemic. Why did we do that? Because the government shut down the economy during that time. Trump was president at the time that that started. So I was going to loop this in to how this is getting blamed on Trump because of this 2018 deregulation that happened. Um, this, this current situation happened because the rates went up so high and the people running the bank either didn't care enough to do the math or they were just incompetent. They had no idea what was going on. This, this place hasn't had a risk management officer in the U.S. Uh, for eight months now. They do have one in the U.K., but uh, she's been busy doing other stuff, apparently. Obviously. So um, well, a lot of people blame it on her. She's like real big in the uh, LGBTQ plus stuff. They're doing all kinds of diversity programs and uh, these events and stuff like that. Not the risk anymore. management officer. She's fired now. Hopefully. Well, that's what Biden said. <laughs> All well, of them. The management team's been yeah. fired. I know it's fun to blame it on stuff like that. I don't know that um, if this person wouldn't have been trying to put together those events that they would have done. This was so clearly obvious. If you've got a massive portion of your assets in bonds and you needed to sell them, you know how much of the discount you're going to have to sell them. When they give people the numbers, they gave them the face value of the bonds, not what they could sell them for right now, but the face value. You bought an asset that was depreciating, and when people asked what you had on your books, you gave them the non-depreciated price. Now, you can find that deep in their statements, and people did 
over the last couple months, people have been saying these guys were in trouble if they needed to uh, if they needed to sell. But apparently, no one at the company cared. <laughs> they they just didn't. Uh, so I guess we can go into: Is it Trump's fault, or is this the market's fault? Is this capitalism's fault? What exactly is going on here? This show is brought to you by BetterHelp. Getting to know yourself can be a lifelong process, especially because we're always growing and changing. I learned, me, that I wasn't you? very good at setting boundaries. Healthy boundaries can be tricky to learn, but through this experience, I was able to gain a healthier version of me. One thing I learned is self-awareness and learning how to understand situations from different points of view. Yeah. Something very important, by the way, for our show. It there is. It's extremely important. Sometimes... We don't know what we want, like what I want, or why we react. Why did I get mad about that? Why did I care about that so much? Until we actually talk through things. And BetterHelp connects you with a licensed therapist who can take you on that journey of self-discovery from wherever you are. And you've used it before, right? I do. I currently you use, use it right now. BetterHelp right now. When's and the I last have, time you talked to your BetterHelp therapist? I have one scheduled tomorrow. Okay. All right. How's it been so far? Amazing. Yeah. Yes. Easy? It's easy. It's convenient. It's the best way to do therapy. Now, you've been stuck with the same person the whole time? No, I've changed. That's pretty cool. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. You never had to meet with a person, like in person, right? All online. Okay. That's my kind of thing right there. Designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. It's just Did you do the brief question there? I did. You filled that out? You got matched with a therapist? I did. And then you switched to a different one later on? With no additional charge. How about that? So discover your potential with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash GML today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash GML. Think about this in your own home. You know, like, okay, if you, and like, let's say you, because you can invest in bonds personally, right? Um, but let's say that you don't, you end up losing your job and you don't have enough because of COVID. Mm -hmm. you know, COVID caused you to lose your job. So, and then you don't have enough liquidity to wait, you know, the four years before your bond matures, right? But the interest rates are going up. Your bond's worth less money. So now you have to sell at a discount to keep paying all your bills. Um, but then eventually you run out of money and now you don't have any liquidity to cover anything. And plus, your aunt's asking for money and you always give her money. She gave you money, actually, and then she's asking for it back now. Mm -hmm. So you're like, okay, well, I'm going to take part of this. And then what would happen is you would go bankrupt. That's what would happen. Is you didn't keep enough liquidity for your risk that you were taking. And that's the problem. And that's why we should actually let these people fail completely. Otherwise, no one learns their lessons because, as Nate said, they're bailing them out, essentially, so they're able to practice this insane risk and ride the highs all the way up to the top. Mm -hmm. And on the downside, sure, the management team got fired, but who really cares? That is not, that's not that big a deal. A lot of them sold and made millions anyway over the last couple of months before this whole failure happened. They knew it was coming, right? So it's like, who really cares? We didn't actually let the thing crash like it's supposed to. So something better could take its place. That's how capitalism really works. And what would be even better, and I'm sorry to everyone who has money at that bank, but whatever, you're going to be fine now. Well, what would really help in that market process is that all the depositors 
get screwed over too. Us as customers, we as customers need a story of all of these depositors who got totally screwed when they had a bunch more money than their FDIC and FDIC insurance would cover. And this bank went under because they had terrible risk management skills. And look at what happened. Look at what happened to Roku, lost a half a billion dollars. Look at what happened to all these other companies uh, that couldn't get their money back. Instead, what do we, as the consumers of the product the banks are offering, learn? Who cares? Government's there. Uncle Sam's there to back you up. So now we don't have to pay attention to the risk. They only have to pay attention to the risk for a short-term amount to make sure that they can cash out on the way up. And if the bank fails, who can... The CEO worked at Lehman Brothers as the CFO. <laughs> you think it, it matters? No, it doesn't matter. He's about to start a new bank today. <laughs> He's <probably got> another <laughs> bank. <laughs> and another bank after that. Backing that one up. Already. Okay, no one cares. I already forgot the guy's name. Doesn't matter what's going on. Uh, and on top of that, what the Fed is... Uh, w what's happening here, they're off also going to be offering them loans essentially paying them full value on their on their bonds now the bonds as if they had matured the bond value tanking is why the bank failed the bond value tanked because interest rates went up okay now when the interest rates go up and these people start to lose money on their bonds say their bonds are worth 80 percent of what they used to what needs to happen is they need to loan out less money because they now have less capital, they have less assets than what they did beforehand, okay? And so that helps hold down the inflation. That's how you actually manage the risk, mm -hmm. by saying, okay, we've lost a little bit here, let's pull back on, you know, putting all of our chips in so that we have enough chips to pay the people who need their money if they come asking for it. So part of what the Fed is doing and, and what happens with the bonds is when they go up, these banks that are holding all these bonds, well, their bonds are worth less than they used to be, and they can loan out less money. All right? That's one of the effects of what the Fed is doing to raise interest rates. And instead... Which, which would lower inflation. Yes. Because they're creating less money, because that's what fractional reserve banking does. It creates money. So now, because they're doing less creation of money, there's less money in the economy. It's not growing as quickly. People are losing their jobs. That's a good thing for inflation to come down. Instead, what the Fed is doing and saying, we'll pay you full face value on these bonds. They're just saying, hey, you know that one of the effects of us raising interest rates where we tried to slow down the growth in the economy? Screw it. it We're negates, just going to pay you face value. It negates the whole tool. Yeah. They should have never raised, they should have never raised rates. Just to don't raise the rates. If Who cares? If they're just going to pay out the bonds, <laughs> it doesn't matter. Don't raise rates. Oh, the system it's, is so messed up. Which man. is why I think, okay, that's one of the reasons that I think that the the rooster's coming on Sunday morning. I, w I really, okay, and I know this is bad. I know this is nihilistic or whatever. I wanted to wake up to the market, the whole market, being down like 10, 15% this morning. Halted. We got some halts, okay, in 2020. I wanted the whole market halted. Me too. Yeah. Now, a lot of the other banks, they had a rough day today. Charles, Charles Schwab was halted for a bit today. Really? Yeah, like stuff got bad there for a minute. Okay. Um, I wanted to see the whole thing down. I know you did because you're short. 
You wanted the whole thing to be down like that. Mm -hmm. No, I wanted to see the system actually look at the effects of their terrible policies, their terrible risk management, their terrible incentive process. But instead, what do we do? Bail them out, kick the can down the road. And now what incentive do these people have to actually be diligent, fiduciary, and have some fiduciary responsibility? None. There's no incentive. I told Nate this morning we were talking about this. I'm like, we're in the wrong business. Mm -hmm. We should have been bankers. We should have been federal contractors. We would be rich beyond our wildest dreams right now. Now on Elizabeth Warren's thing, once again, she blames this on Trump. Does we know who is responsible? Um, And by the way, the legislation, this is not a defend Trump show. Okay. There was, in fact, deregulation that took place in 2018. That did happen. They rolled back some of the Dodd-Frank bill. Funny enough, uh, Signature Bank in New York, uh, Barney Frank is on the board for that. That one also got taken over by the FDIC. So part of the Frank rule that was deregulated, if we could just go back to Dodd-Frank, well, Frank, apparently not that great (laughs) at managing risk either. Because his bank just got bailed out too. Or at least the depositors did. Anyway. Uh, Where not the, is the due diligence from people just blindly trusting this stuff? I don't know, man. It's a, and this is all capitalism's fault, right? Yeah, of course. For sure. This is the market. That's the market for you. No, you know? the, what happens is, is the government gives you this facade that everything's going to be okay. We're going to take care of you. We're not going to let these evil, greedy banks... If the banks were evil and greedy, no one would fucking trust them. You wouldn't have to have the government to protect you. Yeah. They wouldn't exist. I'll talk about a free market. Or they would exist for a very short period of time, and then they would screw enough people over that they wouldn't exist anymore. It'd be gone. It'd be gone. They wouldn't even get to be the 16th largest bank. You know how you get to be the largest bank? By being responsible to people. Not in this world. That's not how you do it. So she says no one should be mistaken about what unfolded over the past few days in the U.S. The recent bank failures are the direct result of leaders in Washington weakening the financial rules. That's right, Charlie. If the people in Washington just had the perfect rules system, nothing bad would ever happen. Mm -hmm. Imagine believing that kind of thing. That if we just had the, I mean, Elizabeth Warren is a Karen if I ever saw one. She is, God, she's probably on someone's HOA. <laughs> you know, if you're going to feel bad for someone, feel bad for the, the people who have to deal with Elizabeth Warren and the HOA. She's the one that's always looking out like, oh, you didn't paint your door the right color. You know, just mad about that. You're Y'all going know. 26 and a 24. <laughs> Give them tickets. In the aftermath of the financial crisis, Congress passed the Dodd-Frank Act to protect consumers and ensure that big banks could never take down the economy and destroy millions of lives. Wall Street chief executives and their armies of lawyers and lobbyists hated this law. They spent millions trying to defeat it, and when they lost, spent millions more trying to weaken it. Greg Becker, the CEO of Silicon Valley Bank, was one of the many high-powered executives who lobbied Congress to weaken the law. In 2018, the big banks won. With support from both parties, President Donald Trump signed a law to roll back critical parts of Dodd-Frank regulators, including the Federal Reserve Chair Jerome Powell, then made a bad situation worse, letting financial institutions load up on risk. 
Now, what I've noticed on the many articles and posts about how this is Trump's fault and the deregulation's fault, none of them actually point to how the regulation would have stopped this from happening. But they all just say, well, this bank technically was deregulated some in this 2018 rule because it no longer fits into the threshold uh, for the strictest requirements. Trump's not even in the office. The dude's out there derailing trains. I know. And bankrupting banks. How much power this guy still has. (laughs) Jeez. Crazy. Um, Silicon Valley Bank suffered from a toxic toxic mix of risky management and weak supervision. For one, the bank relied on a concentrated group of tech companies with big deposits. Uh, this meant that weakness in a single sector of the economy could threaten the bank's stability. Instead of managing that risk, SVB funneled these deposits into long-term bonds, making it hard for the bank to respond to a drawdown. At least it wasn't in uh, mortgage-backed securities. <laughs> then they failed. They did have quite a few, actually. It, they, they failed to hedge against the obvious risk of rising interest rates. The business model was great for SVB's short-term profits, which shot up by nearly 40% over the last three years. Ding, ding, ding. They rode the highs, baby. (laughs) But now we know its cost. Um, This specific action that they're doing right now incentivizes more people to look at short-term profits on the way up. Okay. Oh, no, but they're going to follow the rules, Nate. If they had the rules in place, they would follow those. The other thing that she does not mention is why the interest rates went up so much. You know, this is all Trump's fault. Okay, I got you. Just because of the deregulation, why is it that the interest rates went up so fast over the last year? Maybe because inflation got to 9.1%, potentially? That's COVID. Which is, she would say is just corporate greed, (laughs) not because of any government spending or increasing the money supply Mm. or anything like that. Um, It's conservatives fall. Republicans fall. That's what's going on right now. Um, we had a, what I considered to be misleading type article. I'm going to tell you from uh, the lever, not misleading. Okay. But uh, you know how we talked about how they deregula- deregulated the trains, you know, prior to that derailment in Ohio. You know, that whole thing. The lever mm-hmm. had that. Well, Silicon Valley Bank's lobby groups, they fought a proposal to, that, that was going to fix the deposit insurance system, the FDIC. And they go through all this stuff about how they're, they were out there fighting to prevent an increase in deposit fees, the, uh, the, the insurance fees that the banks have to pay. Now, later on in the article, they say, well, the proposal went through anyway. <laughs> like, they still raised the fees on the banks yeah. uh, to, that was going to help the, uh, the deposit insurance fund. But there's this whole thing about how they lobbied to try and stop them from raising the fees on the banks. And then later on in the article, in a point where you would never get to, they say, oh, but the proposal actually did go through uh, <laughs> for that to happen. Yeah. So um, a free market way to solve this, Charlie, a, one small part. There's a lot of stuff wrong in the banking system. I mean, it's people are out there acting like it's not regulated. Just total unregulated banking system. There is a difference in something being deregulated, like they drop a regulation. And I'll think what a lot, the problem is we use the word deregulation. And that sounds like there's no regulation. You know, but what happens is like, if you take away one, like there's a thousand, 
You take it down to nine ninety nine. That's deregulation. And then they add three more <laughs> on top of it. And then people say, well, that's because you deregulated the the system. <laughs> you know, we don't have any regulation. Like, no, there's still 999 regulations right there. And the banking, by the way, is the most regulated market there is. And then healthcare. And then healthcare. Yeah. Weird. So. Um, why don't you read me what this person said, Charlie? Oh, this is from Good Morning Liberty's Twitter. I didn't know you could make tweets this long. You can now. Wow. It'll show, it'll stop at 180 and then have a read more. Okay. Yeah. In a free market, only those who had deposit insurance would be paid and only up to the maximum purchased amount. This deposit insurance would be priced based on the risk at the individual bank. The insurance company would would have incentive to ensure the bank does not fail. They would either refuse to insure the deposits or raise the rates, sending a signal to the depositors. The bank would have incentive to prevent the situation. Without a safety net, their only course of action would be to stay within the risk tolerance that suits the insurance company and their customers. If they run the risk too high, the insurance will cost more than their customers are willing to pay. Instead, both the banks and depositors learned, once again, that risk management only matters at your local small-town bank. The American people will be there to open their wallets for any bank that mismanages its resources. Banks, do whatever you want and remember to cash out frequently. Depositors, put your money anywhere except your local bank and your money is secured regardless of the actions of the executives. This is not a market failure. This is not a result of deregulation. This is a result of the government forbidding free market signals that would have prevented SVB's failure. That's it. Show's over. What do you think about that system? An insurance system. We've got insurance through the FTIC. Here to the deposit insurance fund. But the problem is it takes like an act of Congress and regulation for them to change what they're going to charge the banks. And then they're charging all the banks these, these fees. And then for some reason, the thing just doesn't work. I don't know why. You know, like there's $126 billion available uh, to insure $10 trillion worth of funds. <laughs> like that kind of not working. How long have banks been paying into this FDIC thing? And you're telling me that there is a between 100 and 200 billion dollars available for 10 trillion dollars in assets out there, and that's the insurance system that we have. Not enough. It's not enough. Now, if an insurance, I don't know what if insurance companies run that kind of risk ratio. Maybe they do. Maybe I don't know what the common ratio is for people, but that seems rough as far as an amount. 1.35%. So 50 to 1? 1.35% is what they have it running that right now. <sighs> That's the scary part, first off. Now, everyone's paying into it. The banks are paying into it. All right. I don't know what the heck they do with the money. I would think that there would be more money in there. But, you but... know, when you have insurance, it's based on a risk profile. Yes. Right? So, you, like, you give the insurance company information. They have these models. And they're like, okay, well, based on... The information of all the things that you're doing in your life, we're going to insure you for this much at this cost because mm-hmm. that's what makes sense. Like an insurance uh, actuary right. comes up. But they don't, this is not how this works. No, no. It's just an arbitrary charge. It's like, oh, Silicon Valley Bank, Bank of America, Regions Bank, all this stuff. And then uh, Roku 
just got away with paying the same portion of the fees for their half a billion dollar account that some other schmo over there that had $290,000 in his bank account was, you know, paying insane. I know you're not paying separately for them, but it's inside of the fees with the bank, the interest rates they'll pay you back, all that, all that kind of stuff. And that's how a government insurance system works, folks. But instead, what you need is a private insurance system. And like I, like I wrote out in here, the, the price of the insurance will change based on the risk that that bank, that that bank is running. So when their, uh, when their uh, financials come out and they put that out there in the market, all of us can go and look at their financial statements. They're a publicly traded company. So when their financials come out and you see that they don't have enough money, they're running 115%, whatever the number was, uh, for uh, deposits to loans, assets or whatever, assets to loans, however, however that works out. Um, their insurance premium goes up a bunch. You know who doesn't like that? The customers who are paying the insurance premium to be at that bank. And so they send a signal to the bank that this isn't good. We're going to take our money out because your insurance, like when I'm paying insurance to keep money at your bank, it's way too expensive. And so I'm going to go somewhere else because the insurance company says, if I keep my money at this bank, then to cover all of it, by the way, you can pay different tiers and pay $50,000 insurance. Okay, so some people pay way less on their lower accounts, get a million dollar insurance, get a billion dollar insurance, whatever, to cover whatever your account is. When I go to this bank, it's way cheaper for me to do that. So what does Silicon Valley Bank do in that scenario? They say, screw you. Our people like having high risk, maybe. Or they say, well, maybe we should de-risk a little bit. You know, that's make what sure we could do. Make sure our premiums don't go up too much. Yeah, maybe we should make sure that if a, a few tweets go out at the same time, that we don't have a run on the bank that causes a systemic risk to the entire world's economy. That kind of thing. That's a very simple system that could solve this. Mm -hmm. I've heard a lot of people talk about the, the fractional reserve system, you know, fractional banking, which has been, it was like you could loan out 10 to 1, something like that. It's like they don't require you to have anything. 10%. 10%, yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking, I think it's lower than that. I think they've been going towards zero. <laughs> I'm, I'm not making that part up. Someone fact check me on that. I think someone I think emailed about this. It, but, you, that used to be the standard, but I'm pretty sure it's lower than that. Yeah. Um, you know, banks could do that too. They could do that. I don't think that as libertarians, we would set a rule that said, well, that bank, you can't loan out 10 to 1 on whatever money you have out there. No, they would do it. And guess what? If it was too risky, then their insurance would be too high and no one would put their money in that bank. And so there's another way to control this yeah. fractional reserve system. Well, just with I, a simple insurance scheme and a market-based insurance, not the FDIC. Right. And that's not like, I don't think fractional reserve banking in and of itself is the problem. It's the way in which it's managed. Mm -hmm. And then, and then if you screw up, you should, you should lose. You should lose because then it has an incentive for banks to be like, okay, well maybe loaning out 90% are only keeping 10% of our assets in liquidity so that we could, you know, make depositors whole is too, like, that's too much risk. We should go like 50, 50, 
something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, that way we can still make a little bit of money, you know, but it, we're, we're a lot safer, you know, and as the economy starts to turn around, you can switch that around and say, Hey, look, we only want to do, uh, you know, loan out 10 or 20% or whatever the case may be. Look at this safest bank that we have. JP Morgan. They are at 72, 73% loan to deposit ratio. Um, Silicon Valley was up close to 110. And there are some others that are up above that. So you get over 100, you're, you could worry about runs on your bank. What this is technically saying, and this, this is not, I know this isn't going to be the most accurate thing in the world for banking experts that are out there, but if there was a run on JP Morgan, they'd be able to handle it and they'd have the assets to actually to actually do it. So people who are at JP Morgan are not worried about that. Now that might mean that they can charge more money for their services to their big clients and all that. And uh, JP Morgan, Jamie Dimon, the guy running it, widely known as a, you know, great and great investor, great, great on the economy, all that people pay a lot of attention and they're able to charge premiums for their services. I'm sure. And so there is a place in the market for having less risk for your depositors out there. And so why should the ones that are way over here just be getting let off, let off the hook all their depositors get? These same people, maybe they could have gone to J.P. Morgan. I don't mm-hmm. know. I would say keep your money now. And there's a problem. They get to keep your money in like the biggest bank. <laughs> okay? That's what you got to do. I mean, I guess this is number 16. They kind of got bailed out, so that's fine. But you don't want to keep, if you got a business that's got a lot of money, you want to keep it in like your small town bank. You want to go to a really big bank, mm-hmm. you know? And this whole system ends up helping the really big people, you know? That's, that's how it keeps working, you know? It, it's left, frustrating. Who the left promises not to bail out. That's who they always bail out. And they found a All way to, the time. And they found a way to do it. I don't, everything just disappeared. You see how there's nothing showing? Mm, What's up with that? All right. I don't know. Let's go. That's enough on this, right? That's enough financial news for today, I I think. An hour now. Yeah. So, but if you guys enjoyed the real story behind Silicon Valley Bank, then please share the show with a friend, a family member, or a foe. Uh, Make sure you hit the follow, smash that follow button on your podcast app. Share the share the TikToks, the YouTubes, all the all the different places. We appreciate you guys doing all that. That's the free way to support us. If you want to put your money where your mouth is and be a real libertarian, you can do that by going to joingml.com or go to godhatesfeds.com. Pick yourself up some new merch. Some new merch. We sold some t-shirts this weekend at the convention, which was Sweet. nice. Um, so thank you all for purchasing shirts. We really appreciate that. That helps Nate travel to Illinois. For the his death of his grandma, you know. Otherwise, exactly. you couldn't afford the gas in your car to get up there. And I still got one grandma left. So and you got one grandma left. Uh, so he needs everyone sign up. Mm-hmm. Sign up. Join gmail.com. If you do all those things, we'll be back again tomorrow. Hope you have a good day and a good morning, Liberty. <laughs>